guys last night that I was going to do this. I want to talk to you about hearing the voice of God. And, you know, we so desperately need his voice in our life. And the book of Hebrews tells us not to ignore him who is speaking, uh, which tells me that God is still speaking today. He still communicates with us today and he still has a strong desire to walk with us and talk with us. And, uh, you know, in the words of that great old hymn, um, you know, he, uh, he just wants to lead us as our good shepherd. And, uh, you know, he, he, Psalm 23, I love Psalm 23. Uh, Though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, because you rod your staff, you comfort me, you lead me, you guide me, you direct me. And he does that by speaking to us. And you can still hear the voice of God today. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Um, I I shared a couple of weeks ago, and I I strongly believe that this is what's happening in our church today, is that there is a real spirit of breakthrough coming into the house. And I I know there are a number of you already experiencing breakthroughs, uh, things that you have struggled with for a long time. You're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel. You're starting to see God move and change and work on your behalf. But I I really believe that there is a a flow of God coming in the house that is already in the house, but we need to tune into it, that I really do believe will start to lift blankets of depression and anxiety, that will start to lift bondages, addictions, um, things that control our heart, our mind, our emotion, even our physical well-being. I, I believe with all my heart the Spirit of God is coming to restore relationships, to heal broken hearts and to put back together the Humpty Dumpties that have uh, fallen off the walls of life. Um, it's a strong sense in my heart, but, but we, we need to understand that the freedom and the breakthrough that he wants to bring to the house does not come from a 5, 7, 10, even a 12-step program. It doesn't come from following a formula. Freedom comes from a man. And his name is Jesus. Um, Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So knowing the truth ultimately is knowing Jesus. And when you know Jesus... You know, freedom and liberty comes. It, it's it's a it's a breaking of chains. It's a set, setting free of the oppressed. It's it's the loosing of of the captives that Jesus was anointed to come for. Isaiah sixty one. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus quoted that in Luke chapter four, and and said, "Today, as I read this, this scripture is fulfilled. I am the one anointed. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And you you will know me, and I will set you free." So Jesus comes to set us free. That's why the Apostle Paul said, uh, to know him and the power of his resurrection is my greatest desire in life. It's not just to be able to quote Bible verses. It's not just to be able to say that I've been in the church for a certain amount of time or, or that I've climbed the ladder of serving and growing and I'm now, you know, I started down here and now I'm a high-level leader in the church. You know, he said, they that know their God, Daniel said, will be strong and do great exploits. So I want you to know today that knowing Jesus is the answer to freedom. Knowing him, the truth, 
is the key to breakthrough. And, and the only way, you know, the Spirit of God can be here. He can be here to bring freedom, but we can miss that freedom. You know, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means you can reach out and take it, but you still have to reach out. So it's at hand, but if we don't reach out, we will miss it. It'll, it'll pass by. Jesus was passing, passing by Bartimaeus. And he was passing by. That's what the scripture says, passing by. Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, sitting on the side of the road, begging. And that was his livelihood. It's the only way he could survive. And the Bible says Jesus was passing by. But Bartimaeus, the kingdom of heaven was at hand and Bartimaeus reached out. And he cried out and it caused Jesus to stop. And then he said to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? You know, which is so important. You know, it, it, was a, it, it wasn't Jesus looking for information. It was Jesus trying to get Bartimaeus to own his, his situation and reach out and take what was rightfully his. So, you know, freedom is, uh, is in a man. And, and Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You know, when you follow Jesus, he leads us to green pasture. When you follow Jesus and what he tells us to do, where he tells us to go, how he tells us to respond, what, what solutions he gives us that he, he is desiring to empower us to walk out of the valley of the shadow of death so that we can be overcomers. If you want to be an overcomer, you have to have something to overcome. So he will put things in your path to overcome, but then wants you to tap into his voice so that he can teach you how to follow him and he will lead you out. Uh, of the, the bondage, the oppression, whatever it is that, that you are, are in. You know, I, I, I said to the church, and I was only thinking about this yes, uh, yesterday, I said to the church months and months ago, and it just came back to me, and I reckon it was the Holy Spirit just, just brought it back to my remembrance. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Or do you have a theology that says you have a relationship with Jesus? There's a big difference. It's easy to say, well, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus because the Bible says to him who many has received him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God and we've been given the spirit of adoption. So yeah, well, according to that, I have a relationship with Jesus. According to my marriage certificate, I have a relationship with my wife. But if I never see her, if I never spend time with her, I don't have a relationship with her. I just have a theology or a piece of paper that says I do. Um, you know, it's important that we go beyond our theology and we actually experience a real intimate connection, um, you know, with the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 14, verse 12. I haven't given Sebastian all the scriptures this morning. Um, my head was elsewhere, but let, just bear with me. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right. There is a path before each person that seems right. It feels right. It smells right. It looks right. And many of us follow that path because we think, well, I need to follow my heart. We were talking about this as a staff this week. That is a stupid saying, just follow your heart. That's the last thing you want to follow. We're not called to follow our heart. We're called to follow Jesus. In fact, the Bible says the heart is desperately wicked above all else. Who can know it? Why would we want to follow it? Because our heart will tell us things we really should not be hearing and things that we should not even be doing. But there is a path that is before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. 
So it, it's, it's alluring. And that's why Jesus said there are two roads. You know, the path that leads to destruction is wide and many there are that find it because it seems right. But there's a path that, that leads to life that is narrow and windy and not many people take it because it doesn't look easy. And often it's not easy, but it leads, it leads to life. It's, it's so urgent in the eyes of Solomon that he repeats the phrase a couple of chapters later in, in uh, verse, uh, uh, chapter 16, where he says again, there is a path that seems right, but in the end it, it leads to death. You know, just, just having a Bible is not enough. And I say this really carefully. I love the Bible. It's the word of God, but it's not enough. Jesus did not intend to relate to us through a series of letters. He wants a living relationship. He, he wants to restore what Adam had in the Garden of Eden, where he would come in the cool of the day, cry, Adam, where are you? Adam, I want to meet with you again. Adam, I want to talk to you again. Adam, I want to just talk about your day, how you've been today, what you've done today. I, I want to relate with you in a very intimate level. He did not give us a Bible to say, look, here's instructions for life. I hope you make it. And when you die, you'll finally meet me. Now, he wants to do life with us. And one of the ways he speaks to us is through the Bible. It's through his word. And, when, and I want to talk today about the prompting of that small voice, that inner whisper, that voice of God that can come to our heart. Because God, God doesn't speak to our mind. He speaks to our heart. He's a spirit. And those that worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So he relates spirit to spirit. And it's a different kind of a voice. It's a different kind of a hearing. But... Um, he, he wants desperately a relationship. He wants to meet with us with our Bible open. He wants to show us things. He wants to teach us things. He wants to guide us. And our Bible is a guide because we have become so broken in this fallen world. Many things are out of alignment in our inner world that we can mishear, we can misunderstand, we can misinterpret. So he gives us the Bible to guide us. And God will never contradict his word. He'll never tell you to do something that is not... Uh, in the Bible, or that is not that is it contradicts the Bible, you know. And so, if the Bible teaches one thing, He will never tell you to do something that contradicts that, if that if that makes sense. But I just want to share with you about how to hear God's voice, and and this is going to be very very practical. It's what I do. It's it's uh, how I operate, and and I'm still on the learning curve because God is so unfathomable. We will never fully know Him this side of eternity. But the first thing we need to do is find a quiet place. You know, we need to draw aside from the busyness of life. We need to draw aside from the pressures, from the, the routines, the things that we do, the things that, that are vying for our time, the things that are demanding our attention. Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, he made a habit of this because you read this a number of times throughout the gospel. But in, in Mark 1, verse 35, the next day, Jesus awoke long before daybreak, and went out alone into the wilderness to pray. Last week, I talked about why the disciples could not cast out that demon. And Jesus said, this, this kind can be cast out, but only by prayer. You see, Jesus had a reserve. He had a, a bank account, a spiritual bank account that he could constantly draw from because he constantly found that quiet place. It was a discipline in his life that disciples are supposed to have. Disciple is a, is a part of a word that comes from discipline. We discipline ourselves to, dis, to follow Jesus as disciples. Disciple. Dis, yeah, doesn't work, does it? 
Um, you know, but he found that and, and hearing from God in the busyness of his life, and he was busy. As soon as he started doing a few miracles, everybody wanted an appointment. Everybody wanted to talk to him. Everybody wanted to touch him. So he found it essential that he would draw aside and then he would come out into his day led by the Holy Spirit in tune with the voice of God. And that's why he could say, I do only what I see my father doing. He was hearing and he was obeying. He was hearing and he was obeying. You know, I find it fascinating that the, the crippled guy in Acts chapter 3 at the temple gate had sat there for most of his life. How often did Jesus go to that temple and walk past him? Never touched him, never healed him, never did it. Yet he healed this one, healed that one. But he walked past this guy so many times when he went to teach in the temple, when he went to you know, deal with issues in the temple. He walked past this guy. Then in Acts chapter 3, you know, he walked past because the father wasn't doing that. And I think the father was reserving him for another moment when the disciples, Peter and John, came walking past and they then heard what the father was saying and focused. And the miracle came. We... we there's a lot of need out there and we can try and meet a lot of need, but we, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. That's where the fruitfulness will actually come. So we need to find a quiet place where we, we shut out the busyness of, of our life. And when we find that quiet place, you've got to calm your mind. You have to stop and just, the best way to do it is just to worship. Put aside your agenda, put aside your prayer list, put aside your, your wants, your desires, your dreams, your callings, your visions, your giftings, your talents. Put it all aside and just say, Father, I just kind of worship you. And you calm your mind and you center your mind just on worshiping him. Greatest thing you can do is worship him. He inhabits the praises of his people. He will come when you, you without agenda, begin to worship him. And, you know, you, 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 we have so many voices in our head. When I, when I stop and pray, it sometimes takes me a while to get that calmness to come because I've been doing and I've been going and I've been thinking and I've been addressing and you know th things start to distract your mind. You've got to bring that, that centering focus and the best way is to just worship and, uh, and lift up his, his name. You know What's the best time for you? Is it early morning? Is it late night? You've got to find that. Um, but it's critical that we hear the voice of God because you remember... The you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. The truth is Jesus. And when you know him, freedom comes. But you can only get to know him as you commune with him. It's so critical. If your prayer life is just in the car going to work, you're not going to get to know him. You know, we can, we can justify it. We can, we can say, well, you know, I'm just so busy. I don't have time to actually just draw aside. We're going to miss out on so much. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. And all these things will be added. You'll be surprised how much you will get done in far less time if you make time to be in his presence. It'll bring freedom from the pressure of the things you're trying to get done. Um, you know, I nearly went off on a tangent then, but I won't. The next thing that you need to do is tune in to spontaneous thoughts. Now, you've got to be careful with this. And I'll, I'll tell you why in just a moment. But... But you tune in to spontaneous thoughts. You would be surprised how often God is actually speaking, but we're not hearing or we're not recognizing that it's him actually speaking. You know, Elijah, in his state of depression, uh, cried out to God and said, God, kill me. Just let me die. I can't go on any longer. And the Lord called him into the mountain. 
And, and all of a sudden, there was an earthquake. It was, it was tumultuous. It was, it was dynamic. It was frightening. It was thunderous. But the Bible says God was not in the earthquake. Sometimes we think that's where we find God because he's so big, he's so awesome, he's so powerful. That's where we'll find him. And, and then, then a, a huge fire and a whirlwind came by and, and it says God was not in that. But then there was a gentle whisper. And Elijah covered his face because God was in that. That tells me that God is a soft, calming God that comes in those times when we have intentionally drawn aside to a quiet place, calmed our minds, centered our thoughts, begun to worship, he will begin to speak into our life. And at that moment, the gentle whisper was the voice of God. God began to speak and drop spontaneous thoughts into his mind. The Hebrew word for intercession is the word porga, P-A-G-A. And it means an accidental chance encounter. And it's, it's really interesting when you look at that and study that, when you are interceding for someone, it's often because he drops someone's name. He just, many of you would have had that. A name just comes into your mind and you just feel a burden. That's Pogar. That's actually a spontaneous thought from the Holy Spirit for you to stop and just pray for that person, for you to stop and speak into that situation. And God will just bring thoughts, random thoughts into our mind and more often than not, it's his voice telling us what to do. Sometimes you'll go, oh, I just had a great idea. Well, actually, you didn't. It's the Holy Spirit putting that idea into your mind. You know, it, it's like Margot has this a lot. Um, like one of the, I, this is a funny, funny story. But years ago, when Joel was really rebellious, he was whopping school. I never did that, I never whopped school. He must have got that from his mother's side, honestly. <laughs> I was too frightened to whop school. I remember John Smack telling a story once. You know, someone tried to tempt him to shoplift and he was nearly vomiting. He was that, did I get that story right, John? He was nearly vomiting. With, I was like that. I would never disappear from school. What if I got caught? Uh, we were talking about the cane this week in our staff meeting and I got it a couple of times in school and, and it just it put the fear of God into me, you know, um, to the point where I just would not... Uh, do anything wrong at school because I didn't want to, you know, get into. In a, anyway, I've gone gone off on a tangent. Um, but Margot is in the office, and we knew that he'd been whopping school because we got a letter from the school, St. Philip's Christian College that our boy, the pastors of the church, had been disappearing from school and and what have you. But anyway, we started to address it. One day, Margot's in the office, and this spontaneous thought: Joel's not at school. Unlucky Joel, hey, you know, it's like, it's Porgar. It was just an intercepting. It's God intercepting our thoughts. It's God just cutting across our, our natural thinking and just a spontaneous thought that just comes from nowhere. And the other thought was, was where he was. <laughs> and of course, it was God because she got in the car, left the office, and it was down here in, in the Housing Commission area. He'd hooked up with some young girl. And, and Margot went straight to the flat and knocked on the door. Sheepishly, because they thought, what if I'm wrong? You know, but it's the thought. Open the door and there's Joel sitting on the floor. That's Porgar. You know, and well, because he was dragged out by his ear and put in the car and brought back and he was sitting down in my office and, and uh, he was so moved by the whole thing. The next day he left school and became a pastor. And now he's on staff at Edge Church. So. But, but it, it, that's, that's how God will often speak. 
But we calm our heart and our mind. We will get more of that. You know, and it happens to Margot all the time. Two o'clock in the morning, Margot gets poor gar. It's like Marty's in the pantry eating chips. <laughs> she gets up and sure enough, I'm rattling the How did you know I was here? The Lord told me. You know, it's like I get away with nothing in our house. Um, but but you see, it, you'll get these spontaneous thoughts. But I wanna I wanna share with you a strong word of warning. Because what can often happen is we if we are not careful, we will only hear what we want to hear. We won't actually hear what God is wanting to say. And Sebastian, I'm going to give you a challenge down there. Uh, I didn't give you the scripture, but I feel I need you to put it up. And it's, um, it's Ezekiel chapter 14 in the New King James. Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 1 through 4. Have you got it? <laughs> He's a bit slow, isn't he? Hey, look at that's Mark 135. Now, Ezekiel, it's Old Testament. There it is. Now, look at this. Here we go. Let's look at this for a minute. Just, don't, just watch this very, very carefully. Now, some of the elders of Israel, these are God followers, okay? These, these are not heathens, they're God followers. Some of the elders of Israel came to me, Ezekiel, the prophet. If you wanted to hear the voice of God in those days, you went to the prophet of the Lord. You inquired of the prophet and you asked the prophet, what is it that God is wanting to tell us? What is it that God wants us to do? So some of the elders of Israel came to me, Ezekiel, and sat before me. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, this is God speaking to Ezekiel, these men have set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble into iniquity. Should I let myself be inquired of them at all? Next verse, verse 4. Therefore, speak to them, Ezekiel, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Everyone of the house of Israel, of my people, who sets up idols in his heart, And puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity. And then comes to the prophet. Too quick. Verse 4. Then comes to the prophet. I, the Lord, will answer him who comes according to the multitude of his idols. In other words, I'll just give him what he's asking for. That's dangerous. So these guys had come with what they wanted God to tell them, what they wanted to happen, what outcomes and what breakthroughs and what provision they wanted. They had come with their eyes focused on that rather than on God and rather than saying, this is what we think we need, but let's put that aside and ask God what he thinks we need. If we come with an obsession in our heart and a desire in our heart, you might just get what you're asking for, And what you're asking for may not be really what you want. And it may actually cause you more grief and more pain. That's why it's so important that we we learn to decipher, is this my thinking or is it God's thinking? And I, I find an example of this in Balaam. Balaam, in Numbers chapter 22, thanks, Sebastian, you did a great job. Um, Numbers chapter 22, Israel is approaching the land of promise and they are intimidating the nations that lie before them, they are marching with strength. God is with them. They are ready to move. They are ready to take what God has promised for them. And some of the nations become so intimidated that one, one of the kings of one of the nations, the king of Moab, Balak, goes to Balaam, who was seen to be a prophet, although 
He'd been contaminated by a lot of the sorcery and witchcraft and what have you that was happening in his day. He wasn't, he'd been contaminated. He wasn't really a, a pure conduit through which to, uh, for God to speak. But yet he still connected with God and God still used him. They come to him and ask him to come and curse the people of God. Balaam had enough sense to realize this is God's people. I don't know that this is a safe thing to do for me to step up and curse them. And speak ill of them. He said, let me inquire of the Lord. Wise move. So in Numbers 22, Balaam goes and inquires of the Lord. And the Lord clearly speaks to him. I believe with a spontaneous thought. What should I do? Do not curse my people. That was the word of the Lord. You read it for yourself. Numbers 22, when you go home. Do not curse my people. So Balaam goes out and says, I can't come with you. God's told me I'm not to curse his people. There's nothing you can do about it. They go away. Balak becomes so angry and frustrated, he then gets higher officials from his, his ranks and sends them with a fat reward. Offer him a huge bag of money and said, Balak wants you to come, and if you will come and curse these people, this is what you will get. Balaam made the biggest, Balaam made the biggest mistake of his life. And I believe what happened was that bag of money became an idol in his heart where he thought, what I could do with that money? Maybe this is the provision of God. Maybe this bag of money is just what I need. And maybe I misheard the first time. And maybe, look, he said, I, I tell you what I'll do. I'll go back and ask God again. Bad move. So he goes back, but this time with an idol in his heart. The idol was what he wanted. I want this bag of money. I want this to be the will of God. I want God to put his blessing on my plan. I want, this is dangerous ground. We're coming with an idol set up in our heart. And it's a fascinating read. It used to confuse me because Balaam comes back and says, Lord, should I go up and curse the people? And I think God's sitting there going, I've already told you. But then God says to him, yeah, go and curse them. That threw me when I read that. I thought, what's going on? It's like, God, you told him not to go and now you're telling him to go. But then you read on a couple of verses later, it says, so Balaam went and God became angry that he went. This is telling me something. It's like, I told you not to go. I made my word clear, but then you came with an idol set up in your heart. So I'm answering you according to the idol in your heart. And so Balaam goes and God became angry that he went because he'd already made it clear what he didn't want him to do. And then you read the story of Balaam and Balaam's donkey and Balaam had nothing but frustration after frustration after frustration. And he realized I've missed it. And that's what will happen. We will think God has answered us, but all you've had is an answer according to the idols in your heart. When we sit calmly in a quiet place, and we still our mind, and we focus on him. We need to put aside what we think we need, the timings in which we think we need those things, and we just simply say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? I just clear my mind, and I ask you to tell me. And often, out of nowhere, you just get this thought that will often go against what you want, what you feel you need, but it will be the thing that will lead you to fruitfulness. That's how you purely hear the word of God. Let's not come with our, our list. This is what I want. This is what I need. God, I need you to give me this. And, and, and you know, when we don't get it, we start to get frustrated. We start to get, you know, it's like we just need to be people who calm our heart, calm our mind, and just stop and let God speak into the situation. I, I have found over the years that that has saved my bacon more often than not. 
where I have felt I'm going to go and do that. And it's often been out of anger or out of frustration. But if I stop and I can't, I get the opposite. It's like I shouldn't be doing that and I don't do it. And you know, you can sort of look back in hindsight and you can see if I had done that, the mess or the domino effect or the ripple effect or the pain that that potentially would have, um, you know, it's like God will speak to us through other people. He will often confirm things that we already have, a sense in our heart over. But, but let me encourage you, God is still speaking today. God is still wanting to commune with us today. Do not ignore him who is speaking. It doesn't say him who has spoken, but him who is speaking. And, and sure, God can invade you in the busyness of life which is what happened with Margot, with Joel. She's in the office working and just a spontaneous thought. And I believe it was the hand of the Lord just protecting Joel from a disaster because I won't tell you the setting Margot walked in on. It wasn't great. Um, and I think if, if God had not intervened then, and, and you can just see the hand of God. If we would just be obedient to those spontaneous thoughts, but make sure it lines up with Scripture. You know, I, yeah, I've got time to share this one little story I shared this with the staff on Tuesday that um, when we were pastoring in Cessnock, we had a, a lady in the church, had an unsaved husband, still together. Um, and uh, the marriage seemed okay, but clearly she wanted somebody who was coming to church. And then another guy came who was divorced, and he had a son the same age as uh, this lady in our church. And next minute I find that they're having an affair. And uh, so I, I go and speak to her about it, and she is so repentant, so remorseful, realizes this has been a big mistake, and just wants help to walk out of the mess she's got herself into. I go and sit with him, and he's beaming. God has answered my prayer. You know, I prayed for a woman who was about my age, who had a son about my age, so this could be great, and God has given her to me. I said, God has not given her to you. Yes, yes, I prayed, and I prayed this, exactly this, and this is exactly what I got. The devil gave you that. God did not give you that because it totally contradicts his word. He could not hear that, could not receive that. I became the devil uh, overnight and uh, interfered with it and he got really offended with me but we saved and I said to the staff I said it's interesting that was that was 30 years ago she's still with that same man today uh, which I just thank God for because you know God just came and intervened so he's praying he's doing the spiritual thing but he came with an idol in his heart he came with this is what I want this is what I want and God said all right do it Balaam go and then Balaam goes and God gets angry because he goes I think it really was because he was answered according to the multitude of his idols. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, let's, let's really be tuned in to what God is saying. And if it's a big decision, bounce it off somebody. Share it with somebody because we can mishear. We can hear our own voice. We can hear the promptings of the enemy. The devil will speak to us. You know, Jesus uh, tells us in his Gospels that, that the devil put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot to betray him. The devil prompts us. He will, he will speak into our situation and tell us to do things. And he knows how to quote scripture. So he knows how to deceive. He knows how to lead us astray. And he knows how to line it up. He, he's got this juicy big bait, but he conceals the hook in a way that we just take the bait. And next minute, we're in a mess because we are answered according to the idols in our heart. So that, that to me is a simple process of hearing the voice of God. And I hope that helps some of you. If our band can come back. Uh, Father, I pray today that we would all seek for intimate connection with you. We would all seek for those 
promptings of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Lord in our life, that, Lord, we might be led into freedom by you, that we might be led, our great shepherd, to greener pastures, to quiet waters, to the restoring of our soul, to the rebuilding of our heart. I I pray today, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just so envelop us and help us to put down those idols, those dreams and visions that we want and help us to just embrace the ones that you want us to have and to quietly hear your voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's stand together.